Boss Uncaged is a weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners and entrepreneurs as they become uncaged trailblazers. In each episode, our hosts, S.A. Grant and guests construct narrative accounts of their collective business journeys and growth strategies. Learn key success habits and how to stay motivated through failure, all while developing a boss uncaged mindset. Break out of your cage and welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome, welcome back to Boss and Cage Podcast. So today's show, we have, I like to refer to her as my friend, but we recently just met each other through a networking group and the synergies just kind of just exploded and magnified. Come to find out we're both Sagittarius and all these different commonalities between us. She's a northerner as well. So it just made sense that it worked. And as you guys know, I like to name whoever I'm interviewing with a particular name. So in this episode, I'm going to deem her the empowered boss and once she starts speaking you can understand exactly why i'm calling her the empowered boss so why don't you tell the people a little bit more about who you are and what you do Aaron? thank you essay i really appreciate that i would say instead of empowered i mean i you're, you can call me whatever you want what i like to say is that i help empower women um and really anybody in business um, i am the founder of kick-ass women which is a networking group for mid to late career um, women seeking greater fulfillment in work. Um, what uh, was happening, I, I, I'm a huge fan of collecting people who are amazing like you and connecting them to other fabulous people who um, will help each other get 10 steps ahead. Um, when folks aren't introducing themselves and connecting with the people I introduce them to, I I am always perplexed why. So someone had said, I had said to somebody one day, I'm just going to throw an event and invite you all and see what happens. And um, fireworks happened. Seven women arrived around the table. We explained each, um, each of us explained the space in which we were at that moment. And people started jotting down notes. Every woman walked away with seven pages, one page for each woman of resources, tools, and people. Um, who they were going to connect to her. It was just absolutely amazing. And afterwards, everyone asked if we could do it again and we needed a name. And luckily a friend said, what a great group of kick-ass women, because it truly was. It was the first time that I had ever been in a networking group where I didn't feel um, uncomfortable where people were in clicks, where every, you know, you walk in and everybody's back is turned to you. Um, and everybody literally opened up their internal Rolodex of everything possibly known to man. It was amazing. Nice. Nice. So, I mean, let's just peel back some of those onions, right? So if you could define yourself in just three to five words, what would those three to five words be? One woman empowering many women. Nice, nice. So obviously, I mean, I think anytime we're talking about business, we're talking about like strategy and we're talking about niching down. So you found your niche, which is essentially probably one of the hardest parts of figuring out what to do in business. So with your niche, yes. like, like what, what do you do? I mean, you're connecting people, but I mean, how, how are you doing it? Are you doing more coaching? Like, what do you actually do with, with your clients per se when you get your hands on them? I love that question. So I myself um, have done executive coaching my entire career, preparing executives for talking to Wall Street investors and analysts. 
um, during a time when regulation full disclosure came out. I know everybody's eyes just glazed over, um, but it took it took the wink wink nod nod out of CEOs and CFOs hands when talking to investors on how the quarter was going um, to a whole new level of full disclosure, which means everybody needs to know what's happening. So a lot of um, I've done a lot of coaching on body language, how to respond to con controversial kind of um, I gotcha, catch it in the moment questions. Um, and there's a lot of um, nuance and intuition that goes into, um, you know, my former career in investor relations. So I've taken that and I have kind of, I, I know things that are bubbling below the surface, like um common issues that we all have which is i can define them and i'm i i hope that nobody else can relate to this but uh in my last three and a half years i haven't found a single person who was like oh i don't have that lack of self-confidence um fearing failure feeling um that you're an imposter or that you're going to be found out for not being as successful as you actually are um negative mindset there are all these things that that are inside bubbling around. Um, we've got the itty bitty shitty committee, as my friend Eric Tivers says on his podcast, that is constantly tearing us down. Well, without practicing really good strategies um, that have been provided by like gurus, Buddhas, you know, you name it, um, executive coaches are my sweet spot. They're the, they're the folks who know how to help infuse um, positive mindset and teach us how to build and maintain self-confidence. It's not getting self-confidence. It's teaching us how to like take the steps to create um, a way to remember our successes. So when we make a mistake, because we're human after all, we don't live in the mistake. We don't live in what we see as failure. Instead, we live in the feeling of success and we're able to forgive ourselves. So really it's, thanks. Thanks. It's a, I, I literally create a space for experts in their own right to teach um, right now, mid to late career women, how to get over something. Um, that might be holding them back. So it seems like you're very big on like trans being transparent and having transparency. And you're talking about from the executive level down to probably even like the management level and helping people being transparent with not only their employees, probably with their clients. So my next question is like going into like transparency, right? Like yes. On your journey, you've dealt with probably some really A-type personality. You probably dealt with some B-type personalities. You probably dealt with some assholes here and there as well. So, oh my God, yes. <laughs> so, what 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 is the the worst experience that you've had to deal with someone? You know, without naming names and kind of having a come to Jesus moment, and that it, it was an effective come to Jesus moment. So, I'm going to tell you the very worst thing, and I'm and I'm going to go way deep, um, deep and dark and scary. But um, I worked for a fortune 10 company and was working on a, a project that was on the front page of the wall street journal which if you're in corporate communications or investor relations is the last place you want your company to be because the first page is dedicated to really really bad business news mm -hmm. 
Um, so I was working on this project and working with the CEO of this Fortune 10 company and the CEO of my division and, you know, all the higher ups, um, helping to communicate what the new offering was going to be while we shored up some of the things that were the issue on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. Um, I had a raging alcoholic absent boss mm. who did not appreciate what what I brought to the table and felt that I was outshining her instead of her taking it for like, hey, look at my hire. I hired this woman who's able to, you know, take this really complex topic and explain it really easily to people who don't necessarily understand the fine, you know, the fine print printed details of, of the back end of financial services. Um, so the worst part was when her boss, who I'd worked closely with, finally asked me, does she spend any time with you? And I admitted the truth after thinking for a long, you know, 90 second pause. What do I say? I need to say, of course, she spends time with me. I need to lie like a rug because this is not what nobody wants to hear the truth. And then I said, you know what? Uh, screw it. I have to, I have to tell the truth because she hasn't been there. She, it was just ridiculous. And she had been shitting on me. So I, I didn't say that. Instead, I said, no, you know, she hasn't spent much time with me. And he said, okay, all right, I'll fix that. I'm like, oh, there's the writing on the wall. Sure as anything, I was fired about four weeks later. And in getting my personnel file, saw that she had rewritten the emails or somebody had rewritten the printed emails that were in my file. I'm like, oh, that's great. I felt like the biggest, crappiest failure in the whole wide world and could not get out of this loop of um, the, you know, you see a video on a loop, like think about that video on a loop being all your failures, every single last thing that you ever did wrong. I could not get out of that. Um, so when I see people who have been laid off or fired or have some kind of life change that that has altered them in a way that now they're feeling crappy about themselves. I think to myself, well, there's no way that you're you're not crappy. None of us were born crappy. Like you just need some tools and strategies to get you out of this. I think that's very interesting because I mean on one hand, like anybody that does that does Anything that deals with financial services, they understand that FINRA is always there. FINRA is always hovering, waiting for somebody to mess up. That's like that's like FINRA's job is just to make sure that you don't mess yes. up and mess up like the stock market, right? But on the other yes. hand, in the market, you have a bunch of Wolf of Wall Streets or micro Wolf of Wall Streets that are completely assholes that are always protecting ass to keep their money coming in. And you're like stuck in the middle of that. So my next question is like, based upon that, you have FINRA in one ear, you have the asshole upper executives in the other ear. Like, how did you overcome that hurdle and use that overcoming of the hurdle to become who you are to help other people overcome their current hurdles? Well, so um, to be perfectly honest, uh, years of therapy, but also sticking to my core knitting, which is my core values. Um, integrity has, has always been and will always be my number one core value. And when I say that it's being honest and transparent, it's being um, able to talk through difficult situations and conversations that might be controversial, but we don't have to handle it that way. Um, 
My second one is humor because I like to have fun always. And if we're spending time at work, the most waking hours at work, Monday through Friday, why aren't we having fun? You know? And so I bring my sense of humor to really difficult conversations, hoping to um, lighten the mood, if you will. Um, and then my third one is honesty, but that kind of falls into integrity. Uh, I really truly appreciate. Yeah, exactly. I really appreciate others being fully honest and upfront. Um, you know, if, if I make a mistake, I want to know. Nice. Nice. So, I mean, this is just build upon this story, right? So obviously you've had your journey with, with the Wolf of Wall Streets and you've had to yeah. overcame these hurdles and now you are who you are, but the perception, right? Somebody may be hearing this for the first time and be like, okay, she's great. I love, I love her vibe. I love what she brings to the table. But to you, to them, you may be an overnight success, but in reality, how long have you been on your journey? How long has it taken you to get to where you are right now? So from when I was fired to now has been just about seven years. Um, and it has been a whirlwind kind of like one day, I think that I'm one thing, you know, I'm, I'm a professional, I'm a VP, blah, blah, blah. And then the next day I've got nothing and I feel like a total failure. And then I dusted off and picked up and said, you know what, my, my background is in communications. I'm going to help people write and convey their messages better. Well, communications is perceived like most things very differently from person to person. So communications means sometimes website development. It means um, PR. It means, oh my gosh, social media. It means like all these things that kind of make up the written and oral word, which yes, I do, um, but not in every medium. So I've had to learn a lot along the way and take a lot of knocks. Um, the Then I had a contract job at another financial services company, a hell of a lot smaller, and noticed that the same kind of black cloud that was over the last company was over this company. And that was the 08 financial crisis had caused this disruption in the workplace with gigantic layoffs, gigantic um, benefit cuts, real low employee morale, and without management executives really taking the horn, um, taking the bull by the horns and communicating effectively with those who are left behind, who feel like they just were torn from half their family. Um, there was still this gigantic black cloud. So um, I realized my other kind of sweet spot is building places of really good, healthy corporate culture. That means places where people can collaborate and even the youngest or most junior person um, has a voice at the table oh. that when employees are valued and heard, that's when they can be most productive and eke out the most profit for your business really at the end of the day. Um, and I helped that company do that. And then I've been um, it's probably taken me, it's taken me three and a half years since starting kick-ass women to finally step into it, to be perfectly honest with you. So there's nothing easy about getting to your success. Um, especially when 
you've had a lot of roadblocks in the way um, and a lot of speed bumps. So if anybody's listening and they're, they're on a journey right now, I promise you, you're going to learn from everything that happens and you get to use that as your building block and, you know, your foundation and start of the framing of who you're going to be. Are you familiar with Malcolm Gladwell's book, The Tipping Point? Yes, I have not read it. So pretty much what, what, like, like your passion and what you're describing is, is one of his stories that he told in the book about, and, you know, I don't remember the name of the company, but I remember the, the general story. And it's, it's, a, it's a high corporation that has your philosophies built into it. And they're, they're saying that, okay, we figured out that a corporation should be no more than 150 to 200 people. And that's where it stays effective. Anytime it crosses yes. over that 150 to 200, they're going to create a new building, but that building could only be, it could be a parking lot away. And that's a large enough distance to create this own ecosystem. So like, yes. I guess that's what you're talking about, right? You're, you're, you're describing yes. exactly what's in that book, which is definitely interesting. I mean, if you hadn't read it, I'll definitely get a chance to download totally. it. Totally. So, um, Going into like another question, right? I mean, obviously you've been on a hell of a journey, right? And it's, and I look at it as like you're traveling and people may look at it as baggage, but I think for entrepreneurs, if you don't bring some of that baggage with you, then you lose some of the education value of what has happened in those experiences. So if you could time travel back and talk yeah. to yourself anytime within that last seven to 10 years and whisper something in your ears to change the outcome or change where you are to make it happen a lot faster, what would you say to yourself and how far back would you go? You just gave me the chills. Um, I would go back probably 12 years ago when I was laid off from a job I freaking loved. Um, they had restructured our group and there was room for only one um, investor relations officer. So um, I was out and I was one of two. Um, and to the number, the number one being my boss, so she, she CYA'd as one should, um, I would go back in time and say, you know, there's nothing personal about business. And when looking for your next role, be cognizant that this is probably going to happen again. Because at the end of the day, when you're telling investors how you're going to make bigger profits so that they can make greater gains on, on your stock, um, there is going to be turmoil and speed bumps along the way. It's inevitable. Um, and I don't know if that would have put me where I am today or if it would have changed my course entirely. I don't, I don't think I'd be where I am today without the struggles. I totally agree with you. And I think one, one comment that you made, if we can kind of touch on that, was saying that it's, it's so funny because it's, it's kind of like an oxymoron statement, right? You're, it is 100% true. Business is not personal, but yes. people only want to do business with people that they're personal with, which is completely right? asinine. Completely. No trust and love. <laughs> completely ass backwards. Oh, I love this guy. I want to work with this guy. And then you cut his cut his business off and it was not personal. What the hell? How did he even get the business? Exactly. 
Oh man! All right, so just let's get back back on task. I mean, so obviously, sure. with that, like that, that's humorous, it's funny as hell. It's the real world, but it seems like this is ingrained in you, right? I mean, obviously, this entrepreneurial side—you've been in the markets, you understand business from a corporate level, but I think that's probably more deep rooted going back into a child. So let's just take it back a little bit and look oh, at you as a kid, like. Where's your entrepreneurial hustle insight coming from? Was it a family member, like a mom or a dad, an uncle? Please tell me somebody in your family had the hustle and that's where you're getting it from. Totally, totally. So my dad was a corporate guy, um, worked in human resources for nuclear power plants. We traveled, we moved around from nuclear, nuclear power plant to, to plant from upstate to New York to Long Island, back to Massachusetts, where we started. Um, and was he was laid off once once in the 80s, uh, once we got back to Massachusetts. And my mom picked up from being a stay-at-home mom with an infant when I was 12, um, picked up, dusted herself off, created a wallpapering business, got our braces um, done for free, wallpapering the office and the orthodontist's house and started a cleaning business as well while working a retail job and being a dental assistant. Hmm. She carried the household and still had dinner on the table at six o'clock every night. So she absolutely is the entrepreneur who led me to uh, even, even think more scrappily than most people in corporate. I think that that's definitely inspirational because I mean, obviously I've been doing this podcast for a period of time and every time I, like, I ask that question, I always know that insightfully there has to be some sprinkle of some essence of some kind of yes. entrepreneur that has led that path for you to become who you are. So it leads me to like my next question. Like, so that's your past, right? This information yep, yep. has been engulfed in you. You're embodying it. You're giving it back to your clients. You're helping women. So how do you currently then juggle like your work life with your family life? Oh my God, juggle. Um, that's a good, good, very good question. Um, I, my office is in my dining room next to my kitchen. I am literally in the heart of my household all day, every day while working. Um, I put a lot of buffers in my calendar. Um, I only take, I only meet with max two new people per day. Um, I do a lot of networking as you might imagine. Um, so capping that off and then that leaves for one reconnection, um, every day. And then, um, then I have space around those times. So I met a gentleman this morning who is a chief inspiration officer. I absolutely love him to death. And we had such a great discussion. I was supposed to be at another event in 30 minutes. And I said, I just have to process our conversation even more and networking right now isn't nearly as important as digesting what we had um, what we had been discussing. Huh. That's that's pretty impactful to say the least. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and and I would say for any entrepreneur, you need to know yourself. If you're in, I've coached introvert um, introverted CEOs before. You, if if meeting a new person on one day is going to, or or meeting a new person once a day is going to wipe you out, wow. build the buffers into your calendar so that you are, so that you, you are still able to network and connect with new people who are going to help you in your business. Uh -huh. um, but give yourself leeway 
in um, in protecting your time and protecting your energy. I think that that's one of the most important things that I that I try to convey to my clients. That's a good segue, right? I mean, you're talking about scheduling, you're talking about planning, you're talking about the scope of work per day. So what does your morning routine, morning rituals look like? Well, it's changed a little because we got a puppy on Saturday. <laughs> More power so my morning routine starts at about three o'clock in the morning mm -hmm. with a one hour walk, trying to get him to do his business. Um, <laughs> my morning routine. So by now with, you know, this mid, you know, midnight walk and a 3 a.m. walk and then again at seven, um, I'm now starting work at nine. Mm -hmm. And the what I do is I spend no more than 15 minutes checking my email, no more than 15 minutes checking my social media. Oh. And then, then I'm able to get into the things that I have to do. I always have a list of three things that need to get done in order to keep the events going for kick-ass women and to keep the networking going because meeting new people doesn't happen without putting yourself out there. Um, very true. So, yeah, like anybody who thinks, hey, I need to network more, but you're not going out and putting yourself into into the presence of new people, um, you're not networking yet. So make the time to connect. It can be it can be as simple as have a conversation with an old friend, uh, you know, old colleague, old friend, new friend um, and talk about what you need and that person will quickly be like hey you need to connect with so and so and so and so um and then there are two new people who you can meet yeah definitely and definitely very true so i mean with that it kind of leads me to another question and you're part of like the boston cage book club so you like understand the philosophies behind that so this next question yes. kind of stems from that but it's a three-part question the first part of this question, I want you to think from adolescence until, you know, when you got laid off, what books like helped you grow and overcome those hurdles? What books helped you on the journey, right? Oh, part two to this question is <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> what books are you reading right now? What books are, are you like embracing right now? And then part three to this question is, have you had an opportunity to author any books? And if you haven't, are you planning to? Okay. So the first question is kind of loaded. I was an English major in undergrad and quit in my after my junior year. Wow. So I read, I took so many literature class. I hated literature, by the way. Um, but I took really cool lit classes so that I was exposed to um, different genres and dialects and um, and backgrounds. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I quit college, um, I started working for my first corporate job and I didn't really spend a lot of time outside of recreational reading, reading a lot. But when I went back to finish my degree when I was 30-ish, um, that then opened up my penchant back for reading and consuming information that was very helpful. So I went for my business degree and read a lot of, you know, the textbooks, but also a lot of business books on the side. Um, Ayn Rand was one of my Atlas Shrugged has really um, helped me formulate the way that I 
the way that I feel about the balance between business and society, you know, or social impacts. Um, and then there were a few other books along the way that have certainly helped. Um, the Obstacle is the Way helped me get out of my deep, dark depression. Um, Standing in the Fire was an excellent book that talked about this colonel who brought his army into the woods and a gigantic fire lit in the middle and they were stuck in the middle and he said just don't move the fire will die out i promise just don't move everybody left the fire outside and died and he was left standing in the you know standing in the fire um and that's i forget who wrote that book but he um he correlates that to talking about difficult things in business. Like without those difficult conversations, you can't possibly get anywhere or even stay standing as a business. Um, and then now I'm really reading, um, I read a lot of blogs to be perfectly honest with you. I've cut down on the books, however, um, audiobooks are my friend. Priya Parker's The Art of Gathering is probably the most recent, most compelling book I've read. Uh -huh. um, she talks about making spaces for growth and connection. And it totally speaks to my heart. Wow. Wow. So going to the last question, the third part is like, has oh, you have I written reading? a book? Yeah, you did a lot of reading. It sounds like, you know, coming from an English background and doing all these different uh, executive style reading. So, I mean, where are you as far as your authorship? So I have not written a book yet. I am in definitely in the process of starting. Um, and that book is going to rewrite the business playbook that was written back in caveman days when Thor traded a bison for a dinosaur. It's never been opened and dusted off since, guys. <laughs> in the uh, seven you, you gotta you gotta repeat that again you gotta Thor. <laughs> um, the business playbook was written back in caveman days when thor traded a bison for a dinosaur that's a t-shirt i've ever heard one <laughs> <laughs> all right continue 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 sorry when women entered the workplace in in a more um in a bigger more um using air quotes equitable fashion in the 70s it was one woman for herself and when i entered corporate america in the 90s it was what have you done to make it to my level you know instead of you have to pay your dues to even to even speak to a ceo well when my ceo mentor tapped me on the shoulder to help in investor relations that like blew everything out of the water. Huh. And I was the non-executive, young, non-executive, non-graduate of college sitting at an executive table of a publicly traded company. And I continued that for the rest of my 20 year career. Um, and I can tell you that because the playbook ha has never been rewritten, the women around me um, were, able to be as catty and as vindictive and as competitive as possible. And that does not play well. And unfortunately, that's not something that's uncommon. 
Yeah, it's a doggy dog world when it comes down to corporate level business. I think corporate business versus startup versus entrepreneurism by yes. the fault of the layman, they think they're all the same. They are not the same by any means. Oh, God, no. So they're completely different monsters. There's overlap, but it's like different styles of monsters for sure. Um, yes. But- and I think the, the one thing I do want to share right there. So when a startup starts to hire, you have a really, really tight knit team and you're able to keep that and you're able to keep the startup vibe until you get to, it's either employee 12 or employee 30, depending on who you are and what what your business is. When you get to the size that you need to grow up and put on the big boy pants for policies and procedures and benefits and everything else, that's when you really need to focus on your corporate culture. And that's when you need to identify your core values if you haven't already and weave that through everything that's ever done in your benefits, your compensation, your, um, your decision-making practices, the policies that you set that are HR and otherwise, the security policies that you set. Um, if you want to be, which is very um, rightfully popular now, diverse and equitable and inclusive and make people feel as if they belong, uh-huh. then you have to create the culture to do so and make sure that everybody, including promotions, reviews, and raises is all tied to those core values. Definitely interesting. And I think it goes back to the point when you were talking about your your 20 year span in in the career before you became a full-time entrepreneur. So, I mean, that's the 20 years before I want to jump ahead 20 years. I mean, what what are you looking at executing or achieving or becoming in the next 20 years? I have a hard time visualizing who I'm going to be, but I know the impact I want to make, which is when my 12-year-old is out there in the real world and working, I want the workplace, whatever workplace that is, and whether she's the, the owner of it or not, to be to have all of the components that make companies successful. Like for instance, in the book, The Tipping Point that you mentioned, Um, the ecosystem needs to be supportive and appreciative of employees. And I want um, executives to open up their humanistic qualities and be able to relate to their employees on much greater levels. I don't know. I just want, I want corporate America to be something different than it is today. Yeah. I mean, I I, I could see it, but it kind of goes back to the statement we talked about earlier on in this podcast, right? We were talking about like business is not personal, but personal is what drives business. So from an executive level, if they're going to essentially hire all their friends, then you're going to have essentially nothing more than good old boy networks collectively versus like you're saying the diversity and inclusion. So it becomes like a push and pull, right? Like, how do we get to yes. that leverage point? How do we leverage, lever- like, I'm asking you, like, how do we leverage that out? So I worked with Carol Meyerowitz, who was the CEO of TJX, the TJX companies, um, TJ Maxx, Marshall's Home Goods. When I was there in investor relations, she made a point to include those with different backgrounds, races, religions, colors, sexual orientations, 
disabilities, et cetera, to all be at the executive table in all of the different brands. Because if you're not, if you don't have the minds of those with different backgrounds that represent your customers around the executive table, then you are not able to make effective decisions that will be, benefit your customer and keep them loyal. Um, the whole, I'm gonna hire my friends, I'm gonna hire those who look like me, that's gotta stop because you're not being fair to your customer base. If you have a product you're putting out to the world and you want it to attract, like I think mid to late career women, but I want not just white mid to late career women, I want all mid to late career women because all of us have been impacted by the same crap. Um, and whether your self-confidence is at, at a zero compared to my three or you know, vice versa, yours is at a three compared to my zero, um, we all can use the same strategies, the same environment of no competition, no threat, no judgment. If we just start from there and teach our executives to turn on their parent brain at work. Like when you have a child as a human and probably every other species known to, you know, every other animal out there, uh -huh. but when you have a child, you are, 99% of parents are hoping that they can provide more for their child than they ever received, either provide it or build the child so that they can attain more than you ever did. If that's the case, why aren't we acting the same way in business? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a solid answer to look at it from that, that standpoint. And it kind of goes back to like the statement of teaching someone how to fish versus giving them the fish. And then the third variable would be, okay, I'm going to teach them how to fish, but I'm going to stock the lake with all the fish. It's yeah. like a, that's the new third variable, <laughs> yes. right? It's, it's kind of like, I'm going to teach you how to fish, but the lake is full of fish. You can just go out there and figure it out. So uh, to your point, I mean, trying to figure out the, equ the, the equilibrium between those three and figuring out the balance and how do you raise your kid is essentially how you would raise your employee. Yes. Definitely, it's insightful, definitely insightful. So, and, I mean, and as, so if we if we think about that as a boss, mm -hmm. like, and this is what I what I want to bring the boss on cage, mm -hmm. think about that as a boss, your employee, you want to make so successful that they exceed what you are able to do. Mm -hmm. That is the ultimate way to manage. Yeah, I can definitely see it. And I, I get talking about my platform is right. an education platform. So, I mean, obviously educating everyone that I get my hands on is, is exactly what I want to do all day, all night. So coming from exactly. that standpoint, yeah, yeah. I, I come, I come from that, that, that brainiac standpoint, but to your yes. point, brainiac ties into capital, but sometimes in other environments, capital comes before the intellectual side. So that's yes. what you're saying. That's the gray area. It's like more people are focused more so on the capital, the raising, the equity, the money, the investments versus how do I grow and teach everyone to then grow? And then the magnifying effect of that would eventually create the wealth. But to your yes. point, the world is ass backwards, so. Yes, no kidding. <laughs> so another question for you is like, okay, obviously like you, you've had this hell of a ride. You've been inside corporate America. You've been outside corporate America. You've had to have your hands on like probably million dollar software to five dollar software. So what do you currently use as far as application software that help you run your business that you would not be able to do 
what you do without them? Oh my gosh. Um, so I have a new platform that I absolutely love. It's a website um, marketing platform. Mm. It is still being built. So it's not fully up to like click funnels, um, but it is much better. It is much easier to use. It's um, really cost effective. And the guys behind it are really like forward thinkers. Uh -huh. um, and that's Unstack. I love that platform. No code web development. Gotcha. Um, no code Drag and marketing drop. platform. Yes. Sure. Like, but ridiculous. You can learn it in probably 20 minutes. Um, that's definitely one of my favorite um my favorites the google workspace so i had to choose between microsoft and google and i mean hi it's choosing between <laughs> shit and shatola <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they they both are want to rule the world uh -huh. um but google's google software is easy and um and i think it's gonna take over microsoft one day unless there's a disruptive technology that comes into play that's even more powerful. Something like like a random Apple, maybe. I mean, it, it, it's, it's that, right. that's a variable, right? Because to your point, I mean, you're looking at like software companies, you have Microsoft and you have Google and Google yeah, the giants. Towards, towards the information of the people and the algorithms versus Microsoft is a little bit older technology that's everywhere, right? And then yes. you have yes. Apple, which is a disruptor. It's kind of like they, nothing that Apple does ever makes sense yes. at all. Correct. Doesn't make sense. So it, it only makes sense that if Apple would buy Microsoft, that'll be like the ultimate payback for Steve Jobs is to buy, <laughs> to buy Microsoft, which could happen. Who knows? It could, could happen. You never so, know. I wouldn't I wouldn't think I don't think that they want to go that route. I don't know. I don't know. They keep they haven't gone into the productivity. I mean, they go, they've gone into the productivity space as in they allow apps to be built on their on their operating system. Right, but they have matching. They have matching software to pretty much everything Google and Microsoft has to a certain extent. Pages, Office, so forth and so forth. Yes. So, and then they also have video software. They have, you know, so they they got some right. things in in the in the pipeline. They do, they do. But I think when I talk about disruption, I talk about like the taxi industry, where I I grew up in New York. I've spent a lot of time there on Wall Street. Um, taxis were impossible. And in Boston here, where I live, um, they were never to be found. He would be standing out there for like an hour and a half waiting for a tax, waiting to hail a taxi that, that didn't have uh, customers in it. And then Uber comes along and completely disrupts the entire industry um, with its technology, with its nice drivers who aren't paid pittance, you know, pennies on the dollar. Well, I mean, they are paid pennies on the dollar, but it's in their, it's in their own car and they get to choose where they want to go. Yeah. Um, you know, when I, when I say disruption, that's, that's more what I'm talking about. Like the tiny little thing that's going to come out of nowhere and, um, start really chomping at the, at the big guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that you can never tell. I mean, there I is know. artificial intelligence popping up left and right. And you still got Amazon, you still got some other big players like yes. things like Netflix and Disney. And yeah. so it's. <laughs> There's no telling, like it's it's really no telling at this point what's going to be the next big thing. So yeah. let's just pull it back a little bit. I mean, 
I think you told a hell of a story. I think as far as corporate America goes, like you have lived the highs and lows of corporate America and enjoyed the great parts. And I said, what the hell about the bad parts? So just talk about your clientele. So you're talking about females. You told us about their age group, but like, who's the ideal avatar? Like, what does that person look like? I mean, obviously you have a stay-at-home mom in carpool. You have the Devil Wears Prada mom. Like, which flavor are you? Okay. So she's not the devil wears Prada because she's not a bitch and she's not out to compete with others. And she's not the stay at home mom because we completely intimidate the hell out of her. So we're talking about the business person who has enough experience that she's been there, done that, and does not like just staying in this world of being shat upon or kept inside a box. Um, she might have already launched her own business or might be contemplating it. Um, she might be in between opportunities, um, or she's established a new business that is incredible and she's dynamic and, um, just needs to be around other women who've been there, done that and can think, think and talk business. Like the one thing that really happened that, that was striking to me, I didn't know if anybody was married. I didn't know if they had kids. I didn't know, (laughs) like, we don't talk, we don't talk about the things that women tend to when there's nothing else to talk about. Mm -hmm. We literally had like these great conversations like we're having now. Um, but that became really aspirational and inspirational. So every woman walked away feeling this huge boost by being around other supportive women. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And so, go ahead. Um, so there have been men in the same, um, in the same kind of genre of, of, you know, they're not, if they are the CEOs, they're the CE, they're the down to earth CEOs. They're not the jackasses who want to be completely separated from everybody and think that they're better than anybody. Um, they're the guy, I call them Renaissance men. They're the guys who also have been through corporate America and identify with lack of self-confidence and imposter syndrome and all these other things. And they're looking for the same kind of, um, the same kind of space to share with others um, about work and business and how can we get each other ahead? How can we support each other? Um, Who can I connect you to? What resources have I used that I want you to? Very nice. So, I mean, that leads me into like a a, a pretty detailed question for you, right? So you have identified who your ideal avatar is. So if you can yes. talk to them, right, they're listening right now, you're, you're telling them words of wisdom, words of insight, they're listening to you. What would you tell them right now to help them continue to move forward on their entrepreneurial journeys? Don't give up and stop listening to, listening to the people who are telling you that you can't do it. Start finding the people who are going to tell you that you can do it and challenge your bullshit when you can't get out of your own way. Oh. Powerful, definitely powerful. So, I mean, with that, I mean, how do people find you? How do they get in contact with you? I mean, obviously you're, you're a communication specialist. Where are, <laughs> you, where are you on the internet? Where am I? 
I'm everywhere. Um, so on Facebook, I have Kickass Women. It's uh, with Kickass without vowels, so it's K C K S S Women. Um, I've got a page, and then you can you can click on visit group and come and join us. Come and play in my sandbox. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Same thing. Um, on Twitter, K C K S S Women. Um, my website is the same, KCK Women. Uh, K, sorry, KCKSS. Um, KCKSSWomen.com. Um, and if you want to find out, if you want to find out more, really, um, check out Kickass Women. Find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and come and play in my world. I love my ladies. I love strong women who just want to support and uplift others nice very nice well i definitely commend you for that so i think now is a good time to go into a bonus round i got a couple of bonus questions for you okay all right so my first bonus question is outside of your family outside of your kids what's your most significant achievement to date Well, yeah, I, I see, I always think business, so I wouldn't, I, yeah. Um, my most significant achievement would have been changing the corporate culture in four months at the company I contracted at. It's not what I was hired for. I was hired for marketing communications, but I noticed the black cloud and I was challenged to meet with every executive at, you know, every C-level person in the company um i found out where things were lacking you know well they should be happy they get a paycheck no that's not how you treat your employees <laughs> i present i just have my my lackeys make the presentations no you need to empower your people to to become comfortable with public speaking yeah. and why not give them the opportunity here and with their colleagues if they're the expert if they're the subject matter experts um that had to have been my crowning achievement in a million years. I never could have thought that that would have happened in such a short period of time. Very interesting. Very interesting. So I got another bonus question for you. This is probably like my most famous and like the most, the one I enjoy the most. That's why I always save this question for last. Okay. If you could spend 24 hours with anyone dead or alive, uninterrupted for those 24 hours, who would it be and why? My Angelou hands down. I met her when I was at Framingham State as an English major. Mm -hmm. I was vice president. I don't know. I was, I was in student government anyway. And she spoke. I had already loved her because I had taken an African-American literature course that I absolutely adored to no end with a friend of Toni Morrison's, of course. And it was amazing. Um, so Maya Angelou came and she literally said, you beautiful thing. I wish I wasn't so ugly. And I'm like, oh my God, you're the most beautiful woman in the whole wide world. Why are you saying that? Um, I would love to spend 24 hours with her for her limitless amount of knowledge and energy and uh, grace. Oh, I don't know. Nice. That's That's my... That's my one person. <laughs> nice. Very nice. Very nice. Thank so you. this is the time of, of the podcast where you become the host and I become the guest. Nice. The microphone is yours. So what questions do you have for me? 
Oh my goodness. Well, see, I see you as an empowered boss and as an empowering boss as well. How do you see you when it comes to the world of empowering? I think it's, it's, it's one of those things to where I think it's transparent, but I'm blind to it because again, everything I'm doing is essentially to help and motivate and grow. Like that's, if I had a mission statement, like that would be the mission statement. So by default, I'm empowering, but I'm not thinking about empowering, if that makes sense. Yes. How did you get started doing Boss Uncaged? So long story short, my, my original company, which is still in existence, is Cerebral 360, which was a media design marketing agency. And I went on these different facets, you know, to your point, I was in the market as well. You know, I've gotten my series six, I've gotten life insurances, I've became a travel agent. I did all these different facets of business just because I didn't realize that I was both half creative and analytical at the same time. So when I went mm -hmm. to school, I got my design degrees and then I got my web design and my multimedia degree. And I was like, oh, this is great, but there's got to be more. So I went out and figured out all these other things. I was the type of person that I would go work at Comcast for 30 days just to learn Comcast's business structure behind the scenes, and then I'll quit. And I did that on and on and on, literally, like unlimited amount oh my of gosh. That, that I've infiltrated companies like that, right? So then- How did you do that? <laughs> I was applied. You know, it was just literally, I, I would apply for one. And then, you know, once you understand like how resumes work, what people are looking for, or, or even like entry yeah. level, I, I would go on an entry level and just use that entry level position for 30 days to figure out their strategies and hence why like, the whole boss and case thing was sweltering and building up right so long oh story short gosh. 2018 after doing all these multiple different things wearing all these different hats not sleeping working 20 hours a yeah. day and you know also being a full-time single dad at the time and i had primary full custody of my son that 2018 happened and then i had a stroke so that stroke was kind oh of my god with me doing all this stuff for so long to where my body and genetics just caught up to me. And so when I woke up in the hospital, I was like, shit, I know a lot of different things. I've done a lot of different things. Yes, I could have checked out right then and there and been like, I have accomplished something, but I was like, I'm still here because I got something else to do. So I rebranded myself and, and went from Chanel to S.A. Grant. From then until now, I've yep. written books, uh, created the Boston Cage, created the Boston Cage podcast. And what I've done is took everything that I've learned from all the different places I've been and put them all my energy into one thing. So that's the big difference. Before I was diversified. Now all the diversification is streamlined into one funnel, which is Boston Cage. And the goal of it is to inspire, help, educate entrepreneurs and leave breadcrumbs behind for them. And also now leave behind a tangible legacy for like my family so they can hear my voice and my reasoning when I'm dead and gone, 30, 60, 78 years from now, they'll be able to look, listen back to these videos and these audio clips to hear what I was doing and why I was doing it that's gonna benefit them down the road. Oh, so you're leaving a legacy, not only for your family, but also for anybody who wants to start their own business. Right. People that's incredible. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. How, much, how, much more, how many more questions do I get to ask you? Oh, you can ask me another one if you would like. <laughs> Um, who is it who you would want to spend 24 hours with that are alive? So have I've you already that answered question. that question? I, I, I've had, I mean, people have thrown me a couple different times here and there and, you know, I'll, I'll give you both mm -hmm. of my answers. My first answer has always been Einstein, just because Einstein is one of those people that through like the dawn of the world wars, he's not only 
a genius. He survived that. He survived the racism. And as a kid, he was viewed to being as a dumb dog. And he came to be one of the greatest minds of our times. And he's also very analytical, but very highly creative as well. So I, I kind of like not inspiring to be like him, but I see some of myself in him, right? Not to even compare myself to him, but I understand that left and bright brain and how that really works together. So the second part of that be more so um, good old Tesla himself, right? So, and I'm talking more so the, the the new Tesla, not the old Tesla, right? So Elon Musk is a person that I think he's obviously on the spectrum. He has to be on the spectrum to be able to comprehend what he Oh my God, totally. So simple, but I would love to spend 24 hours with him. I'll, I'll be a fly on the wall just to kind of, or be in his head, just to kind of see his, think about what he's done, right? He's went through, yeah. he's done the financial stuff. The financial stuff has then grown into everything else he's doing right now. It all started from him understanding the finance. And that was like his jumping point. And he's jumped from company to company, successful company to company over a short period of time, shorter than anybody else has done it. So I would like to like, right. like, I don't know if he's on like the spectrum where Steve Jobs took some LSD and it unlocked something or is he just <laughs> naturally like that? Like, I just want to know which spectrum is he? So, so let me tell you, they both, they all three have ADD. So there's, there's that, um, because then you're able to juggle a lot. Yeah. You're able to spend 30 days micro-focused on Comcast behind the scenes business structure and learn what their strategy is and learn how they get their employees all, all aligned all around the country um, and then jump to another one and be able to still digest and hold all of that in. Um, I, it's, it's written, it's documented, Einstein, Jobs, and um, Elon Musk all have ADD. Hmm. I don't know about Richard Branson. I don't think that he, I don't know about him, but he would be, on, he would be number two, by the way, hmm. for me. <clears throat> I mean, I guess I, I think, to your point, I've never been diagnosed with it, but obviously I think I have it, right? So <laughs> <laughs> I've just learned to maximize it. It's kind of like having a superpower, right? It's kind of like when I hear it Kanye West talk about being bipolar and as a superpower, I definitely get the understanding. It's like, why hinder yourself when you can utilize it? Not everyone has access to it. So exactly. Exactly. No, it's a great thing. It's a great superpower. <laughs> says says one with it <laughs> well in, in closing i mean i definitely appreciate you taking time much a busy schedule and, and i hope that everyone that's in your kick-ass group gets, gets a pretty decent inside if they don't know who you are if they were trying to figure out who you are they definitely know who the hell you are now and they are <laughs> thanks to who i am as well too so i definitely appreciate you taking time much a busy schedule to be on the show today essay i have to say thank you so much for your time and for your interest and for the way that you so thoughtfully and um, meaningfully brought out who I am. That was really, really amazing. Thank you. It was my pleasure. S.A. Grant, over and out. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncaged. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to becoming an uncaged trailblazer. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review and share the podcast if this podcast has helped you or you have any additional questions reach out and let me know email me at ask at sagrant.com or drop me your thoughts via a call or text at 762-233-BOSS that's 762-233-2677 I would love to hear from you 
Remember, to become a boss in cage, you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off. Listeners of Boss on Cage are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful ebook, Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.bossuncaged.com forward slash free book.